0: Hello and welcome to Keanu Club. Like a cool breeze over the mountains, this is episode 40 Action from 1999. I'm Mike Manzi. And I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm
1: kind of glad, honestly, that we only have to watch one episode of this instead of all 13. There are parts of it I like, but this is a TV series. It's not the first TV series that Keanu's been on, because he was on Night Heat and Going, <laughs> going Great. Going way back. Oh, yeah, going, and Tracy Ullman episode. but And Tracy yeah. Ullman. But it's it's his first in about a decade. This is the last episode before The Matrix. And this was clearly a one hour on set. We're going to do one setup and just nail the lines. And I think you said to me before we started recording it, it just seems kind of like a favor he did to somebody.
0: Yeah, he'll come back later on the web show that, Ileana Douglas stars in, who is one of the stars of this show. She's the prostitute who ends up becoming a producer and she's in the rest of the series. So I wondered if it wasn't just they are good friends and wanted to work together on something. On Easy to Assemble, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And seeing how this is a pilot, his presence would be like a high profile series. You know, you'd want to at least see the the pilot episode of this (laughs) to see Keanu in it. I think that's Yeah, so he's only in that one scene at the movie theater, but I thought it was the best scene in in the
1: episode. I got a genuine laugh out of it. Okay, so this TV show is kind of sort of Entourage, if Entourage was about Ari instead of Vince, and kind of the... He's
0: not an agent, he's a producer. Right. Right. So it's even a little higher up than Entourage, which is further removed from Everyday Joe. I almost got more of like an Arliss vibe. You remember that show? It was an HBO... I never saw it. I remember it, but I never saw it. Yeah, it was sort of like Ballers 1.0, where okay, Arliss was a sports agent, much like Ari, I suppose, and was just operating out of his office. He was not I don't remember him throwing elaborate parties on yachts or anything like The Rock does, but uh, yeah, so I kind of was getting that sense as well. So Jay Moore's character name is Peter Dragon, which is a terrible,
1: terrible name, and it's loosely based on Joel Silver, who's an executive producer of the series, and so that gives me Entourage vibes in that Vince is pretty much loosely based on Mark Wahlberg, who's a producer on Entourage, so it's all kind of, hey, let's tell a story about how great and fun my life is, and also how many cool celebrity friends I have, and how I can totally, like, hang out with a prostitute and learn life lessons from her. Jay Moore is like, well, I think he's kind of hit or miss for a lot of people, I don't know that I'm always consistently in his camp but I like him in this even if the work around it isn't my cup of humor tea.
0: I watched four episodes actually and he's good I feel like he's very consistent and it's not it's more like the writing I feel it gets too rude and crude at times and tries to go for the jugular when instead of Trying to be smart or clever. It's strange how I've just got the depiction of him being too much of an asshole to be likable. But then again, I feel Jay Moore has like a certain charm. Uh, I do, I have listened to his podcast and stuff for a while. I know he has like sports shows on the radio and everything. I didn't feel like he was the issue. I don't, and I like the cast. Like, I I like Buddy Hackett. You know, it's crazy that he's on this show. I like uh, Ileana Douglas, but it just seemed a little too harsh at times for me.
1: Well, what's strange about this, and maybe you remember when this was on TV, because I don't. This is from 99. It aired on Fox. There was 13 episodes that they made.
0: I thought it was like a Showtime show.
1: That's why this is crazy. I mean, he's cursing a lot in this. I mean, he, he's using the word dick, which I don't know if you can even use on Fox
0: now. Maybe you can. It's... Not in this context, anyway, where he's well, like yeah. saying suck my dick or stuff. Yeah. Like you, you can't do that. So they had 13
1: episodes, and and they apparently were like in a bidding war between Fox and HBO, and Fox ultimately offered them more money, so they went with Fox, even though HBO wanted it. And then only eight, I think, of the episodes were aired on Fox, and then the other five were aired on FX. I mean, it got canceled, I don't know, I guess it must probably got canceled somewhere in the middle of the season, because it's only one season. Can I sort of spoil the end for you? I don't know if you're going
0: to watch the last nine episodes or not. You could go ahead and spoil it, even if I end up watching it. Jay Moore dies in the last episode? I was going to ask if he got shot. That was my thought. (laughs) He
1: dies of a heart attack.
0: Um, (laughs) Okay, I could kind of see that coming, actually. (laughs) And so
1: I don't know what happened, because they wrote it as a season finale, but they renamed it or reclassified it as a series finale after it was canceled. I wonder if he just had a heart attack that like that was supposed to be the big thing at the end and then they shot two ways like, hey, if we're picked up, he'll recover it or if we don't get picked up, he'll die. But yeah, this is like a one season tragic story of Peter Dragon's fall
0: from producer to dead man, I guess. <laughs> I guess so. I mean, the series was stacking everything up against him in the way that he wasn't going to be able to handle it. I mean, they allude to some health issues I thought that was pretty funny how they, with the writer, how they depicted the writer of the movie they're trying to produce. Like, by the fourth episode, he's in the hospital with a stroke, potentially flatlining because of the amount of rewrites they need him to do. (laughs) Like, having seen past that, like, I could totally, yeah, it's in line with what they were building towards.
1: So here's the big question for you. I know how big of a fan you are of this guy. I mean, his name is basically Adam Rifkin, but it's not Adam Rifkin. This is so weird. Like, the whole joke, or one of the jokes in the first episode is that they're confusing, like alan rifkin with adam some other guy and they buy they buy the wrong script but it turns out to be the best script they have and it's all weird i mean i didn't think adam rifkin was like this big name like we only know him from a few different like weirdo like i know that he's made a bunch of things but he's never like gonna be to the point where he's on a show like this i just i don't i don't i don't understand it it was it, it caught me so off guard
0: Actually, it's kind of funny too because I didn't know until I really started diving into his career after Never on Tuesday because that movie just like fascinated and baffled me to right. the point where I went back and I've seen almost everything he's done. He, he did some really interesting TV shows. You know, I remember seeing films like The Chase with Charlie Sheen but then going back and seeing that, whoa, that was a, a Rifkin movie and then stuff like Detroit Rock City and I was like, whoa, that was an Adam Rifkin movie? So like, the guy had like his indie thing, you know, he's got his non-diplume when he does his sort of grindier films and stuff, right? Riff Coogan, you know, Riff Coogan, he's got like yep. that whole alias but what I what I think kind of surprised me most about him is he's mostly well known as a pretty big writer. He was the writer of Mouse Hunt and Small Soldiers, which were like okay. the giant like, DreamWorks movies in the beginning. And actually, Jay Moore is in Small Soldiers. So now that I've connected oh, that dot, it huh. makes me wonder if they're sort of like it's an in-joke with each other and that it was... That's interesting. Of, yeah. That's kind of strange, though, because it did make me perk up and say I need to watch like at least... A couple more episodes to see how this guy's portrayed and it's kind of funny he becomes a very sympathetic character into the series
1: because the first one he's barely in it we just sort of get by the very end that he's going to be working with jay moore and now that I, even though i own the complete series on dvd i don't think i'm going to watch it but i i, I do like to know that because i mean he has i think third build in this that it's like it's it's jay moore and then iliana douglas and then this guy who plays Alan Rifkin. So it's good to know that he's a part of the series, I guess. What really kind of blew my mind in terms of other not Keanu nextions, but just other things what we've talked about, did you recognize Jane Moore's daughter? No. That's Sarah Paxton from that one Shia movie from Hounded? and also what? the girl yeah and the, she's also became you know in the innkeepers and cheap thrills and stuff like that oh okay yeah
0: yeah, yeah. oh i remember you mentioning her during that so this child. is like
1: a this is within a year of hounded i think or within two years of hounded i think she's a little bit younger than she was in that but i was just like there's no way because there's like 10 people in this episode like there's not that many people and one of the people is this girl that i didn't even know was a child actress that i just know now as an adult actress like in horror and thriller movies it's just weird to see her as
0: a little kid in two movies that we talked about in the last two or three weeks i know it's it's sort of like the crispin glover syndrome where we're going to end up talking about all their movies through these podcasts that we're doing we just end up hitting other actors oh i do want to mention we we did say
1: that the series stars jay moore and he will return i don't know the size of his role but he'll be back in street kings who directs street kings wasn't that a David Ayer's production? Oh yeah, wait, yeah, 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 written, yeah, yep, 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 kind yep. of. Yep. Okay, that's because I knew we had another connection there. And that's another shy connection, sort of. It's it's all kind of in in weird ways, circling back. But yeah, so in this episode we have Keanu, and I think what this show tries to do, which is not funny, but it thinks it's really funny, is derive a lot of jokes from just name dropping celebrities. Mm-hmm. And. We have Keanu in this, as but he's the only actual celebrity as himself, but they live in a world where all these celebrities are just around and seemingly just off camera.
0: Yeah, in episode two, Selma Hayek shows up and punches Jay Moore in the face. And uh, in episode four, the last one I watched, Sandra Bullock is in it, speaking of Keanu, because of the speed thing and everything. I thought that was kind of interesting. And uh, like allegedly some sex tape between her and Peter Dragging is like a big seller in overseas or something. But like she was also on there and like played fun with her image, you know, and I feel like Keanu was kind of doing the same thing.
1: So apparently in the first draft of this pilot, Keanu wasn't even in it. So Chris Thompson, who I think co-created the series, or wrote it or something, I'm not exactly sure what his role in all of this is, I don't know, he, he created the series. His first draft had the premiere much more star-studded, that the movie, that Peter Dragon's movie Slow Torture, which is apparently a bomb, was going to star Kurt Russell and either Uma Thurman or Jada Pinkett Smith. And they were both going to be on screen like at the premiere, but I guess none of them wanted to do it. And so that's why there's a Goldie Hawn joke. I think there's a Kurt Russell joke in there too that's still stuck in the script even though he wasn't in it. It wasn't supposed to be Keanu. It was supposed to be Arnold Schwarzenegger.
0: <laughs> yeah, right.
1: <laughs> and then Matt Damon and Cameron Diaz were gonna be there after the movie ended to criticize it. And then that's when Wendy—oh, I guess that's Ileana Douglas—was gonna put down Cameron Diaz by mentioning the famous jizz in her hair scene from *There's Something About Mary*. So I feel like they just like shot for the moon. They're like, "Oh, nobody wants to do it. Who can we call in for a favor just for like a two-hour shoot?" And then that's where they got Keanu. But Keanu's scene is. Is funny, and it got me a genuine laugh about how he's just getting a hand job from this prostitute. Hey.
0: Hey, Keanu. Yeah. What do you think of the movie? Much better explosions than your last one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, digital. Yeah, yeah. Look, uh, I'm really looking forward to us uh, working together. Peter, I have some concerns. Oh, I'd like to hear about them. I'm a little concerned that your date has her hand on my pants. I'm a big fan.
1: Why, thank you. I'm getting to be a pretty big fan of yours, too. Okay, really? Yeah. Why, don't, why don't we take our hands off little Keanu and watch our movie?
0: Yeah, and he thinks it's Peter Dragon's girlfriend. I wasn't sure what was going on at first, and then they sort of go to the second shot, and it's that's when I really... I started laughing. (laughs) And I was like, that's kind of great of Keanu because we'd never really seen him in any kind of raunchy sex comedy stuff. Right. So it's a kind of whole new side of him. And this is something like I thought we would get a little more in Walk in the Clouds. That was more of a romantic movie and not a romantic comedy, you know. And so it was cool to see him kind of go back to doing a little bit of comedy. haven't really seen that since like Bill and Ted. I liked that side of Keanu. I hope we get more straight up comedy soon. I also do like him.
1: He basically looks like Thomas Anderson with the same kind of haircut and the same everything. It seems like he probably just popped off the set of The Matrix one day and then just swung by the action lot and shot the, the scene and then just left. They didn't even show him leaving the theater. Like, they have that and then everybody else leaves the theater and he's just nowhere to be found. So I don't know if they shot anything more with him, but they didn't include it. So it really, like, he gave the bare minimum, I guess, of what he would have to give, but I liked it. Yeah, me too. Oh, there's an
0: the intermission
1: card, which is weird. Like five minutes into the episode, there's just like an intermission card. I was like, what?
0: Yeah, I think those were commercial break bumpers because those come back in a big way. That becomes like a big style of the show. Um, A lot of like, let's go to the lobby starts popping up and like now back to the program and intermissions over and all those things. And I kind of like that. They were like spicing it up a little bit. And one thing that was, I mean, again, I didn't make it past episode four. So I don't know how things changed when they switched to FX or whatever they could do to change things but it was kind of interesting how like (laughs) scenes were starting and ending and you could almost hear them be like action you know and like hear them say action or like you know what i'm saying like it was almost like behind the scenes and stuff like during the trans i thought that was kind of interesting that it was pulling back the curtain a little bit as like oh it knows it's a show and it's a you know complete and total satire
1: so that plays into what I was about to say. My last note, the last thing that I read about this was that apparently one of their original ideas was to do a season that showed the making of Beverly Hills Gun Club, which I guess is Alan Rifkin's movie. Because I don't think they ever referenced it by name in this first episode. And then at the end of the season they would have shown the final the finished movie on Fox. And oh, so wow. it's kind of like a Project Greenlight of sorts, but scripted. So that they would show this like kind of making of a movie. And we just did the Battle of Shaker Heights for Shia a couple of weeks ago, but they would have this movie that they showed, you know, how difficult it is to make a movie or whatever. And then at the end of the season, they would show the movie. I guess that didn't happen because I guess when the show got canceled, they're like, yeah, we're not going to make the movie.
0: Plus, that's confusing on a viewer level where why would you it's like you're showing a fake documentary about the making of a real movie and. I don't know. That's kind of confusing <laughs> in, a, in a, a lot of ways. Just if you wanted to show how a movie was made and then present presented on, on television, just do the Project Greenlight thing without it being a contest. Just do a straight up season of making a movie and then show the movie you made the next year or something.
1: Yeah. I also wonder if like they made the movie, like would Peter Dragon be a producer on the movie alongside the actual producers of the movie? When you're blending a world of fiction and reality, who gets credit for what?
0: Yeah, I think we ran across that um Monkey Business, where one of the producers plays a character, but then the producer has his name on the movie in the movie, so we were wondering, you know, we get into that meta level of confusion there that is just not necessary. <laughs>
1: yeah, I think the idea of it is kind of interesting. Apparently it was sort of at least well-received critically in that it was a dark take on Hollywood and probably unlike other things, because this is three or five years before Entourage, so I mean, it's, I don't know exactly when Entourage started. I want to say like 2004
0: But it's also hearing that there was a bidding war between Fox and HBO went on to make Entourage and had Arliss and was into those kinds of comedy programming or showing the industry side of, you know, television, film, whatever, sports, you know, entertainment. And I feel like that's a big theme within HBO shows. And so it's kind of funny. This is Entourage 1.0, whatever, and keeping with that analogy. So I totally see that now. It is a forerunner. Oh
1: yeah. Oh yeah. oh yeah oh yeah which again i was saying to you completely unrelated to this the entourage movie trailer like the trailer for the entourage movie that came out 2015 i think i genuinely love like the movie is nothing special i mean it has slow joey in it as a, a texan who is producing the movie and you know wants to sleep with emily radakowski as you can imagine but The trailer is just, it's basically a trailer for the movie that Vince is making. It's great. Like, I used to love Entourage, and I just grew out of it after about two or three years. I was like, oh, wow, okay, I get what this is all about. But... I still like the idea of it, and I like the underbelly look at Hollywood. And this show also reminded me a little bit, just visually, but also I guess in terms of what's going on of Californication. I don't know if you ever saw that, the Showtime show with David Duchovny, that there's a lot of these like weird, like the editing overlays, like the transitions where there's just basically it looks like there's like film that's you know scrolling through the screen, or there's like weird like handwritten text on screen. Yeah,
0: you could see that you can see like the sprocket holes in the film. Yeah,
1: so that's something that like Californication did a lot and that was about David Duchovny as an author who's adapting his books into movies and so that's also similar behind the scenes of Hollywood he's got a friend in that who's an agent again that's not great i mean that's sort of similar row kind of comedy to entourage but because i love david covey even if he makes a hundred bad movies in a row i'll still see them all because he was fox Mulder. you know like, i mean that that buys you a lifetime of credibility in my eyes uh so i like that more than entourage but this is action you know preceded both that and entourage and it's kind of in a way a blend of both and so even if it doesn't age well back then i mean that's that's impressive that's cool
0: yeah and i think it, it was fresh for tv too i mean one of my favorite cuz it's like it's a great film genre like just industry like movies about film industry i mean i believe there's even a netflix category now and this is this is now reminding me of like The Player with Tim Robbins which is about a producer who works behind the scenes and is accused of murder and has to cover that up and everything is very interesting sort of taught thriller told within the industry and it's just one of my favorite genres and you know like Ed Wood is a really favorite film of mine and you know on the level where it tells about filmmaking and the process and so uh, yeah I really do think there's something interesting as outsiders about the inside of this industry that always seems to be just so mysterious because of how high profile it is with all the glitz and the glam but then to see behind the scene the strife the stress and the struggle and all of it isn't very glamorous at times even though they want it to be it's it's very intriguing storytelling yeah and also you just saying glitz and glam made me think of glitz and glamor in
1: lots of bars get a drink <laughs> at the club then go walk in front of chinese theater it's hollywood facts Which, I mean, falls right into line with what we're talking about. I don't think I have anything else to talk about for action. Anything else in your notes that you wanted to cover for this episode? Don't believe so. I can't imagine that there would be, but is there any reference of Keanu past this episode?
0: No, just that Sandra Bullock showed up right, <laughs> in okay. episode four. I was like, oh, that's kind of a connection there. Okay, I don't know. I might give it the rest. I've I've watched this far. You know what I'm saying? Like they're only 22 <laughs> minutes because there's no commercials. They do move quickly. I might just sit down this week and over the holidays and watch the rest of them or something.
1: Oh man, like I'm a complete I'm a completist completionist whatever. I have I have TV OCD, and I have no interest in, you know, going, like, so I mean, <laughs> you,
0: are, you are a better man than I, in terms of that. Well, it'll be more of, like, a research thing than an enjoyable thing, <laughs> so it'll be, I'll force myself to. I but.
1: just wonder if, you know, Jay Moore ever is like, hey, my friend Keanu, like, was that the premiere? You know what I mean? But I guess I guess the movie that they're watching the premiere is never talked about again, so it's not like he's gonna be referencing that, because that's sort of, like, a, such a flop that it's one and done. So anyway, this is our last episode of the year. This episode comes out to December 30th so we will be back next year with The Matrix which is my favorite movie and the reason we're doing Keanu Club or one of the main reasons I think we're doing Keanu Club so that's exciting so I mean when we were recording this we're recording this in you know the day before Thanksgiving, a little behind the scenes. Like if if action brings you behind the scenes of movie making, we can bring you behind the scenes of the podcasting. So we're recording this a little bit before, but I was like, episode 40, like, you know, that's not too far away from 52, which means we've been doing this almost for a full year. So, you know, we're sizably into Keanu. The way that Keanu's career plays out We're going to finish just about at the end of next year, so you still have another full year worth of Keanu movies and TV shows and web shorts and guest appearances and whatever to talk about, but it's, it's interesting how this kind of plays out sort of perfectly from April 1st of this year to December 31st or whatever of next year, so thank you for listening. Thank you if you voted on who we should do for this podcast way back in February or March, Thank you for probably voting for Tom Hanks, and then sorry that we didn't do Tom Hanks, uh, but we're doing Keanu, and so we we really enjoy. I mean, it is up and down, but we are kind of in the best part of his career right now, I think. The last eight-ish years. I mean, there's some there's some misses in there, but there's some <laughs> no, good stuff, yeah. especially coming up. And then you know what he's doing currently, like in 2016, going back a couple years to John Wick. I mean, that's going to be a, sort of a Keanu sans it's good stuff so i don't know really what we're going to find between say march and like october of next year but we have a lot to cover so thank you for listening and we'll see you next year any final thoughts on the year of keanu
0: it's going a lot faster than i than i realized i can't believe 40 already but that's a nice solid number to end the year on i'm glad about that and i truly believe the worst is over with (laughs) <laughs> to, to a very large degree, I, you know, so I feel like we've, we've made a turn. We've, we've crossed state lines in a way, and like you said, we're into uh, some of his best well-known stuff. And uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to next year. It should be a lot of fun. So for all things Keanu Club, you can go to
1: cageclub.me or facebook.com slash cageclub. You can see all the podcasts that we've recorded this year and last. We started Cage Club almost a year and a half ago. So this is a long time coming, but we have all Cage, Keanu, Shia, Zach, Monkeys, now and again podcasts, all sorts of fun things. We've got... At least two new things launching next year. I hope more. We'll see. I have no idea what the future will hold, but there's lots of free and fun things for you to listen to at cageclub.me and facebook.com slash cageclub. And more coming soon. Really every week, more stuff coming out. So lots of fun things for you to enjoy. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. And we'll see you next time on Keanu Club.